Welcome, all dog lovers. This is Krista with episode number 30 on the Wag Out Loud podcast. We hope that you're enjoying the show and would absolutely love to get your suggestions for topics and guests to have on the podcast. Please leave those on the Wag Out Loud website on the Bark About It page. And here is today's canine fun fact. A dog's normal body temperature is 100.5 to 102.5 degrees Fahrenheit. Welcome to the Wag Out Loud podcast, where we cater to dogs and the people who love them, bringing you helpful tips on canine health care, nutrition, and overall well-being. I'm your host, Krista Karpowicz, and I am super excited to be bringing you yet another tail-wagging episode. Welcome, everyone, to today's show. I am so excited to have back with us Kaylin Munkowitz, who is the dog trainer of the new age. Emmy Award-winning actors, Forbes List business moguls, Victoria's Secret models, and local families all trust Kaylin for the same reason. She knows dogs. And with over 10 years and thousands of hours of dog training experience, Kaylin has quickly proven herself as a star in the dog training industry. Kaylin is also the author of the best-selling training book, The Puppy Training Handbook, How to Raise the Dog of Your Dreams. And she's also the founder of All Things Pups, a nationwide leader in premier positive reinforcement training. Kaylin, thanks for being with us again. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I am excited to hear your thoughts on the next topic that many of us struggle with. And I love this topic title, Freak on a Leash, How to (laughs) Work Through Leash Reactivity. Okay, my head is spinning. Being that this this is such a common issue, I guess the first question is, what is leash reactivity? Yeah, so it's such a common issue. Leash reactivity is where a dog is on a leash and barking at either another dog, a person, a garbage truck, anything where the dog that the dog is reacting to. It's so common and there's different types of reactivity, different reasons why dogs do it. But I think it's a very, very common thing that can be very frustrating for dog owners. Yes. Well, the previous episode that we had you on, we talked about puppies and how to raise puppies successfully. If we back up, what age would be good to start a dog walking on a leash? And is there a way when you just start to train them so they are not aggressive and don't overreact to certain stimuli. Mm -hmm. And first I'm going to stop you there because a lot of people think that reactivity and aggression is the same thing. So reactivity and aggression are, are very, very different. Reactivity can stem from just pure excitement of wanting to get to whatever they are reacting to. And once they get up to that dog, they're not aggressive at all. But it can also stem from a protective instinct, which can lead to aggression. So aggression can kind of happen, I think, if reactivity isn't managed or curbed. So it is two separate things. But basically, back to your question, 
I would introduce the leash at like three and a half or four months old, I think is a great age when the dog can have the attention span for it and can start going on walks. And there is a lot that people can do to prevent reactivity. I mean, I think the number one thing first off is that pulling on the leash. That's step one that can lead to reactivity because pulling on the leash happens because the dog's mind is not on the owner. It's on the birds, the this, the grass, the smell, everything. And so I think some healing training, focus training, right when you introduce the leash is so important because naturally a dog has 0% focus on their owner when walking. So if you if you walk out your door and you take your dog on a walk without asking the dog to check in, naturally your dog won't at all. So you have to train the dog that just because you're on the leash doesn't mean that your mind leaves me 100%. Checking in, just calling the dog's name to check in with you while walking is such an important tool that you should start right away from the beginning. And so I think that's so important even before the dog sees something exciting. And so if you have your dog's focus, you have everything. If you can get your dog to focus, you can prevent issues. And the next step is going to be when your dog sees something exciting, the dog's mind, they see another dog, it goes straight to the other dog. You have to teach your dog that to get to that other dog or person or whatever they want, they need to look at you first. Even sitting is great. And then you can tell your dog, go say hi. This is something that so many people don't do and they should be proactive in it because a lot of people don't see it become an issue until five, six, seven, eight months old. So I tell all of my clients this, be proactive in it. It's so easy when a puppy is young to get the dog's focus on you and then go and say hi. It takes two seconds. But once the dog is older and has gotten what they want by just being in their own mind, pulling to it, it's a lot harder because they become stubborn. They don't want to sit. They don't want to look at you. They want to get to what they want. So I think that a lot of reactivity stems from just overexcitement and owners giving the dog what they want by letting them be in their own world and pull them all the way up to it. Mm -hmm. So you're suggesting almost that they should ask for permission and look at you just like a child. Yep. Yeah. Before you, the dog goes and meets every dog, every person, it's an incredible way to just make sure that one, the introduction goes really well too, because a puppy pulling or any dog pulling, being in their own mind to go and see that dog, they could jump on the dog because they're just so excited. So it brings them back down to self-control by checking in with you. And at the same time, teaches the dog, if you want to see something, look at me and ask permission for it. I think it's that's something that every single owner should teach their dog and implement. I know it can be hard sometimes, but if somebody wants to say hi to your dog, they'll wait a few seconds, you know, till you can get the dog to sit in the focus. The hard part happens when I get a one-year-old dog that comes to training that has gotten what they want by being in their own world pulling um, their whole their whole life. Because the first time that they are able to work up to another dog, it could take them an hour to get out of their own mind and sit and fully focus on me. So the fact that you can get that so easily, you know, in the early stages and 
You can prevent any sort of reactivity and just have a more enjoyable walk with your dog. Um, why not start that training really early? Right. And are we setting them up sometimes to fail? Because when we see another dog approaching a lot of time, we instinctively shorten the leash and tighten it. Does that bring a sense of fear or excitement or anything into the dog that they react from what we're doing as well? Yeah, so that definitely can, especially if the reactivity is stemming from a protective or fear instinct. It's more so not necessarily shortening the leash, but let's say the dog is, you know, about to react because he's in a protective state and you pull with your elbow, that jerking feeling can make matters worse. It's like a very, you know, he's like, oh, that jerk, I have a reason to protect. So it's a negative feeling. It's adding more negativity to the situation. And that can absolutely amplify um, the dog to react. So I always say, move with your feet, not your elbow. So if you, if your dog is reacting, if your dog is about to react, move your dog and you can't get your dog's focus, move backwards with your feet instead of the jerks with your elbows. It's everyone's natural instinct to have their feet planted and just pull back. But that does not help at all. But you know, I think that a lot of times people get very anxious about the situation too. And so like their anxiety can feed into it because they're tense. So just moving backwards, you know, if until you can get your dog's focus is the number one tip I have if your dog is already in a reactive state or is about to move back fast, especially if that dog is coming closer, closer, closer. I was just doing a training session yesterday and the owner just kind of froze and the dog was coming closer. She's like, I don't know how he's going to react. And I'm like, just move back, move back, move back, move back, because that's what I would do. I don't want the dog to come up to my dog then if I'm unsure. So I put all the energy into this, like, here, yes, yes. Because another thing is that, you know, so many times people try to fix reactivity with pulling on the leash, whatever they're trying to do, and the dog's mind is still on that other dog. Reactivity cannot be fixed until you get your dog's mind off of that other dog or whatever they're reacting at. So even if you're going backwards, you have to still be trying to shift the dog's focus to you. And I think a lot of times I, I see this probably daily if I ever go out places, a dog's barking on the leash, the owner is like, no, no, uh-uh. And the dog's mind is 100% on my dogs or whatever they're reacting at. And you have to get your dog's mind off of that other dog to really, really be able to, one, teach the dog what, you know, redirect the behavior. What do I do instead? Well, you look to me instead of reacting if you're unsure or if you're excited, whatever the reactivity is caused by. And it also helps the dog gain self-control. So that's so, so important that you have to be able to get your dog's focus. Mm -hmm. And do you find that there are certain breeds that are more likely to be leash reactive? That's a good question. I definitely think dogs that are bred to protect. Mm -hmm. So I have two Akitas and I knew that leash reactivity would, would be um, something that they were prone to. So I started from day one when I adopted one of them. And when I started with my puppy, just getting their focus on the walk, everything that we've talked about. And I think a huge thing, you know, other dogs, Doberman, Rottweilers, any dogs that have been bred to protect, 
are very susceptible to it. But I see it in a lot of little dogs too. And I think that stems from owners just allowing the little dog to get what they want. So it it typically stems from you don't understand puppies who are just so excited to get to that other dog. They let them go up. Then just that kind of like running towards the other dog turns into whining. So like crying to get to that other dog. Owners allow them to go up when they're crying. Then the vocalizing starts. So the barking, I want to get to that other dog. And a lot of people are like, I know he'll just be quiet once I get up to the other dog. They allow that. Um, And that's kind of how reactivity can stem from this overexcitement. But yes, when I first adopted Oso, he was six months old and he was just a space cadet. So spacey when we would go outside. And I saw him, you know, with gardeners, things like that, things like that, you know, kind of things that are weird, weird people, he would be zoning in on. And I think a lot of people, especially at like the six to eight months mark, that's when protective instincts can start kicking in. A lot of people think you desensitize a dog by just staring out at that person, petting them but you actually have to get your mind off of it. So while a lot of people don't see how it will turn into an issue if a dog is zoning in on something, whether it be people, dogs, things like that, I knew at that seven, eight-month mark when he started to really zone in, this is going to turn into a protective, aggressive state if I don't get a hold of it. So all I did was show him that he has to look at me, direct his focus to me. I would back up to the other side of the street so I could get his focus and get him to sit, give him a treat. And it's it's just so important to do that because it's going to turn into barking. If your dog has a mindset like that, that just zones in on distractions, it's going to turn into the vocalizing and reactivity if you don't break the focus and teach your dog how to gain self-control in those situations. So what do you suggest if you you bring your dog back, they look at you, you treat them, and let's say you do want to let them meet the other dog. Do you have the mm-hmm. other dog come to them or once they're calm and collected, then you walk over to say yeah, hi? Yeah, so always find that first point where the dog will sit and give you his focus. There's different there's different depths of the training that you can do, but at least the bare minimum, you have to find that first point where the dog will sit. And a lot of people tell me that oh, my dog just will not focus. I've tried everything. Um, My dog won't focus when there's another dog present. And a dog will always focus. You haven't gone backwards far enough from the trigger if your dog won't focus on you. And that's it. That's all there is to it. I, I literally hear this all the time on my videos. I can't. I've tried everything. All you have to do is go backwards more. I've had to go back six blocks one time with a dog there's always a point. So you have to find that point. And then if you can work forward, once you have your dog sitting controlled, move forward, sit again, move forward and gain self-control all the way up. So the more sits, the more self-control, the lay down even would be even more controlled. The more you can do the better. But I understand that every situation you you might not have time to do that. So at least breaking the focus on what the dog wants once is very important. Now, if your dog is very reactive and you're unsure about when the dog meets other dogs, if it's positive, 
you don't want to focus on going all the way up to your all the way up to the dog. You want to focus on getting your dog to have full self control 10 feet away first, then nine feet and really, really work on intense focus and self control at a distance first. Because I think a lot of people are so rushed to get up to that other dog. And if the dog is just excited and friendly, you know, that's okay to kind of do not as much self-control, but just breaking the focus a little bit. But if you're not sure, which a lot of people aren't, you should focus on first just, you know, getting your dog to focus, let go of that other dog for five minutes straight at a longer distance or 10 minutes, whatever it takes. So when I do reactivity sessions with people in that hour, the first session, we usually only get maybe a couple feet from where we started because we're just working that whole time on, I'll usually have my dog just laying down stationary at a distance and we find that distance, we find, and that, that varies from every single dog. We find the distance where you can get your dog's focus. It's hard. And if you were to let your dog's mind go 100%, they'd probably be reacting. But with a treat, with you um, directing your dog, you are able to get your dog to sit and lay down. So you, a lot of times we stay in that position for 10, 20 minutes until the dog's fully settles down because I think a lot of people think well I did one sit that's not enough if your dog's mind is 99% over there one sit might get your dog to 98% you know and you have 2% focus the more you just are persistent about where you want your dog's mind to be and the redirection and the self-control that 99% will continue to decrease so you don't want to move forward until you can get that down a lot. I think that's so, so important. And people don't realize that the more that you redirect, you might have to direct a dog to sit and lay down a hundred times before moving forward. But every single time you're bringing your dog down and that intense focus on the other dog and more focus on you. Right. And I know sometimes it's not just other dogs that sometimes – Dogs react to people, cars, bikes, skateboards, trucks, you know, what have you. They, mm -hmm. they all have different triggers. I know my dog, right. if somebody goes by on a skateboard, he goes crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, skateboards and all those wheels are very, very common because they're mm -hmm. just weird things. And so, yeah, you really have to do a lot of desensitization and counter conditioning work to fully work through reactivity. Um, you have to take time out of your just everyday walk because those things are probably going to be, you know, presented and in sight for 10 seconds. That's not enough time to fully work through it. So it's a combination of management while you are on your regular walks and trying to work through things and distance yourself. But also you have to take time to desensitize the dog. So you'll have to get a skateboard or go to a skate park where there's, you know, skateboards that are going all the time yeah um, but there's a couple things with reactivity what I always do is break it down variable by variable so when you have somebody skateboarding you have the actual skateboard but then you have the movement of the skateboard so you need to first make sure the dog is okay with just a stationary skateboard and then start and then under that variable of a moving skateboard typically faster movements 
uh, will make a dog react more. So then the next step is to just slowly move the skateboard and shift your dog's focus off of it. Then you also have the variable of distance, though. While some dogs could start with that right next to the skateboard and the slow movements, if your dog is just going berserk and crazy while that skateboard's moving at a slow pace, you have to back up to where you can get your dog's focus, then move forward. And then increase the variable once you're forward, increase it to faster. So there's all these different variables that you have to think about. But if you go to the skate park, you know, they're in place. So that's, that's super important that you can control the distance up to them. And, but they are moving. So you have to know that you might stay 50 feet away from the skate park the first time you go and just try to shift your dog's focus off of those skateboards. And over time, you'll be able to work your way up. So I think a lot of people wonder why, you know, oh, they're still not getting over the skateboard. I'm trying to get the focus. But you have to take time out to really desensitize and counter condition in those ways. Right. And another fun thing my dog does is he's overly friendly and he wants to play. So he goes and meets a new dog. And even though he's a little terrier, he'll go right up to a big dog and on his uh, hind legs and hug them right in their face. And a lot of mm-hmm. dogs don't like that. So sometimes it's the opposite that they're too friendly and you can't yeah. do that either. <laughs> yes. And reactivity can stem from that too, but just getting his focus can really help control those introductions to getting the focus a sit and a down and then a go say hi. Um, because what happens is when the dog sees another dog, this is, I have this little thing for self-control. The dog's excitement level just shoots up so much when they see that other dog. So if you allow the dog to go up during that time, the excitement level just keeps rising and they're so far from self-control. So there's no self-control. So then the dog's up on the hind legs and maybe another dog doesn't like that. So when the dog sees another dog and that excitement shoots up far from self-control, you have to work to bring the dog back down to self-control by sitting, focusing on you. Then you go say hi, and the excitement level is so much lower, it will start to go back up again, but it's so much lower and controlled and provides a controlled greeting with that other dog then. So I just think that keeping your dog's focus, that self-control is so incredibly important for the greetings for just all kinds of reasons. And the other people should understand if you say, could you bear with us, my dog is in training, Mm-hmm. You know, however, and if they don't have time, then your dog still has to sit and they don't get to say hi. Because right. he needs to know 100% of the time, as close to as you can, that this is how you greet the dog. Because if you just, you know, you do this nine times out of 10, but then that 10th time you just let your dog go up because they that other person doesn't have the patience, that's the time they're going to remember. Yeah. And it, yep. So you have to be very, very committed to doing it as well and it can be a little awkward like hang on a second let me just get my dog's focus we're training but most people especially dog owners will understand and if they don't then you know your dog just can't say hi to that person and they got to learn to have self-control when they don't get to say hi as well Mm -hmm. but is there hope for the dogs that have gone beyond the reactivity and they're actually aggressive and lunging on a leash there is, yeah. 
Absolutely. Um, it takes a long time to rehab rehabilitate a dog who has aggression, but it absolutely can be done. And I think that positive reinforcement is the only method that can fully help the dog because if they're associating these things with negativity, we need to use positive reinforcement so that they can have a positive association of these things instead of putting on a shock collar, you know, so the dog's reacting. A lot of people will use like a shock collar, but that adds more negativity to the situation. So while your dog might stop reacting because they're scared of being, you know, shocked, a lot of times one that's only temporary that the dog doesn't bark because they get used to the, the shocking and then they still have the issue. So then you have a double negative. So I've had to rehabilitate dogs who have severe aggression issues and then had a shock collar on them. And like with my foster dogs, and it's taken a year to fully, you know, get them to not have that negative association because that shock collar messed them up so much. So I know that using positive reinforcement and these techniques with the desensitization and counter conditioning takes so much patience and a lot of time to do. But I truly believe it's the only way to really work through it and help your dog's mind and show them what else to do when they have all these feelings instead of using a shock collar or a prong collar and pinching. So I think that reactivity can only be fully resolved with positive reinforcement and with a lot of time and patience. All right. That's all good stuff. One yeah. thing we did not get into on the last interview. How did you get started in dog training? So I've always been so passionate about dogs. I knew that I wanted to help dogs since I was like three years old. I've always had just a special connection with dogs, understood dogs. And so I thought the best way would be to be a veterinarian. And so I wanted to be a vet. A vet. I went to college, took animal science, on track to be a vet. And then I was also, I always had like dog walking jobs in high school. And then I worked at a dog daycare and training place and grooming place. So I just got tons of uh, experience and knowledge working there on dog behavior at the dog daycare. It was my favorite job ever. And then even grooming. And then I did some training classes, like I shadowed under the trainer there, but I never thought I would be a trainer. I also got very involved with rescues and fostering dogs. I loved fostering puppies. I adopted my own puppy in college and I trained her. It was so easy for me. And I was fostering puppies while taking extensive classes in college. And it was just so easy for me and so fun to implement this routine and all these things with the puppies. Fast forward a little bit to um, I moved to San Diego to take a vet internship. And when I was there, I just realized actually the veterinary route wasn't for me. The medical side just wasn't for me. And I, I was actually super depressed during this time because I wanted to be a vet since I was three years old. So I was heartbroken. And so I resorted back to what I was most passionate about, which was helping dogs, fostering, getting involved in rescues. I started fostering dogs again, implementing everything that I had learned and knew and just kind of from my own experience. And at the same time, a lot of my friends were getting puppies and were like, how did you have all these fosters in college and raise a puppy? This puppy's running my life. I don't know what I'm doing. 
And so I really realized like, oh, this isn't common sense to most people, you know, how I just know how to raise and train a puppy so easily. And so that's when I wrote the book. It was just kind of like to help all my friends and family that were getting that were getting puppies. And then I realized a lot more people could benefit from the help of it. And so when I was um, fostering dogs, I kind of, you know, this from all of my experience and knowledge became a go-to trainer that a lot of other fosters could come to me and ask questions and I could help them. And I just realized I had this gift and just, it's really just a background of all of the experience. Fostering helped me so much because you work with all these different personality types and you can figure out like, oh, that worked for this dog, this doesn't for this dog. So that hands-on experience with the fostering, it was just everything for me. So private training sessions started from there and then the business started from there and yeah, now we're here. I love that story. Yeah, it's, cool. it's really fun. Yeah. And I know that you're an AKC canine good citizen evaluator. I am a huge proponent and have put all my dogs through that program. Can you share just that. with us on uh, what that entails? Yeah, I think that the canine good citizen title is just is like a gold standard that every dog owner should try to get to. If you want your dog to behave at home, know the basic and advanced obedience commands, behave in any kind of setting that you bring the dog to, I think it's so important for that to be kind of your goal. It's the prerequisite for therapy and service dogs. So I get a lot of people that are like, I just want a very well-behaved, well-trained dog. I don't necessarily know what that entails, but that's what I want. So the canine good citizen is exactly that. You know, you have to pass about 10 different points with your dog that ranges from coming when called, staying, you know, those kind of commands, and then being able to walk through a crowd or not react to reactions, do proper greetings with people and dogs. So it's really just everything comes together during that test to um, make sure that you just have a very well-rounded, well-behaved dog in any kind of environment. So it's a really great goal for any dog owner. I agree. Well, Kaylin, we have run out of time. Unfortunately, I could talk to you forever. I know. Can everyone find out more information about you and All Things Pups? All Things Pups, we're everywhere. My website is allthingspups.com. My Instagram is at allthingspups. There's tons of videos and tips, lots of reactivity videos on there for owners to watch. And, you know, all of the videos on Instagram and YouTube, my YouTube is under Kaylin Munkowitz, have helped so many people. So definitely check those out. I've got a podcast. Yeah, we're everywhere trying to help as many dog owners as we can. Perfect. And you've got several locations, right? That's right. Yes. We have trainers in San Diego, Orange County, LA, the Bay Area, San Francisco, New York, New Jersey, and we are opening up in Florida, Daytona Beach, Orlando areas this That's summer. Fantastic. Well, yeah. everyone, all of Kaylin's links can be found on this episode's show notes. So you'll find her social channels, her podcast, her free training guide, and of course her book that is a must-have for everybody. This has been such a treat, Kaylin. We so appreciate you being with us today. Of course, this was so fun. 
Thanks for listening to the Wag Out Loud podcast. If you enjoy the show, please be sure to subscribe, and we'd love to hear your comments. You can find out more by visiting wagoutloud.com, and there you'll find great product recommendations and fantastic resources. That's also where to visit our Bark About It page, where you can suggest topics, guests, or products. I appreciate you. Catch you next time.